Okay, so we concluded the story of Barhedyo. And let us continue. Says the Gemara, Shoal ben Domo ben Rabbi a, a person by the name of Ben Domo, who was the nephew, he was the son of the sister of the great Rabbi Yishmol. Rabbi Yishmol was the Kohen Gadol in the end of the times of the Second Beis Hamikdash. Rabbi Yishmol was one of the ten martyrs that were tortured to death by the Romans. And Same. I'm sorry. Okay. I think your audio is going in and out. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. My audio is going in and out, and my whole connection fell before. Okay. Um, yeah, I can hear you now. You can hear me now. Okay. So Ben Dama, who was the nephew of Rabbi Yishmol, had a dream, and he shared it with his uncle, and he tells him that Ra'isi, in my dream I saw that both of my jaws had fallen away. What he saw, Pashat, is, is the lower part of his mouth dropped out. Omar, to which Rabbi Shmuel responded, that that two heads of Roman battalions, they plotted evil things against you, and that's represented by the jaws, the part of the mouth that moves, and they were plotting against him, they were speaking against him, and they died. In other words, the, the draw... The, 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 the jaw dropping, the jaw falling out of its face is not only not something negative, and he probably saw his own face, but it wasn't about him. It was about those who were speaking against him that they died. Says the Gemara, Amalei Bar Kapara Rebbe. Bar Kapara tells Rebbe, I saw that my nose has, has fallen off in his dream. So Amalei Rabbi responded that af That means that there has been some anger directed towards you, and the nose af in Lashon Hakodesh af means nose. But when you say someone is angry, that you say they have charoin af. In many images, they make a person who's angry having hot ear blow out of his nose or her nose. So here he connected the nose to anger. Some one, some wrath has been directed against you and it has been lifted. It fell away. It went away. Amalei bar kapara further, he hears that Rebbe is giving him good interpretations. He tells him that Reisi shnei yadai shenechlechu. I saw that both of my hands were, were severed, were cut off. You would think, wow, that's a terrible dream. No, Rebbe says that's great. That means that that you will no longer need the labor of your hands. You will somehow become so wealthy that you won't need to work. Similarly, Barkarpara tells Rebbe, I saw in my dream two of my legs were cut off. And people would think that's a nightmare. So Rebbe says no. That means alsus That means that you will be able to ride on a horse. You know, you'll be promoted. You'll be gifted a car. You won't need to walk with your legs from place to place. Barakapara continues. Chazoi de I saw that they told me in a dream that ba'ador misas, that I will die in the month of Adar, and v'nisan le'chazes, and therefore I won't see Nisan of this year. So Amalei Rabbi responded that Adar, here in your dream, didn't mean the month, but Adar, the root of Adar, is connected to the root of glory. Ba'adrusa. 
So we told him that you're going to live a long life. But what you foresaw is that ba'adrusa misas, that when you'll die, you'll die in glory. And what's that in glory? Not the way the Goyim imagined glory, whatever that would mean for them. It means that you won't see Nisan. Now he also, just like he took the word Ador, which normally is a name of a month, and he understood it that in the dream, it was referring to another meaning, in our case, Ador, glory. Nisan, which means miracles, and it's a name of a month, also comes from the root of Nisoyon, someone who is being tempted. Now we daven every day that Altiviyeni, Please, God, don't bring temptation before me because we should never have the arrogance to think that ah, I would never fall in that area. It's not true. We don't know. We never fell because we were never really given the Nisoyen. So he says, you'll die in glory because throughout your long life, God is never going to give you a Nisoyen in which you're going to fail, in which you're going to fall. So a Yid dying in glory means a Yid who when the comes the time after 180 to pass away, that we, are, uh, we won't be ashamed to stand in front of God. That's the meaning of dying in glory. Gavaldik. Now, what, what we had here is just to, uh, the underlying message is, is that, again, it's not just saying you had a good dream, but it's to make a real association to that which you saw. And all of these dreams which appeared, mamish, as the, you know, the first ones, the body was mutilated, the jaws fell off, the hands fell off, the feet fell off, that all of that was somehow understood, and it makes sense, once you hear it, it, it works for the positive, and uh, even the names of months, we can, we can understand it, we can apply it to mean, to mean something other than that. Now, we're going to speak about a tzeduki, just to explain some Jewish history. When the second base Amigdosh was built, there was a huge shift um, that happened when you compared the Ruach in the Holy Land during the first base Amigdosh era and the Ruach that was reinitiated and was rebrought in when we built the second base Amigdosh. And that is of great significance. During the times of the first base Amigdosh, Yiddishkeit was primarily a spiritual religion. Everything was around spirituality. So you had, you had the Beis Amigdash. The Beis Amigdash was a place during the times of the first Beis Amigdash that if one entered, when a person entered the Beis Amigdash, they were inspired. They experienced godliness. We have no idea what that means. At least most of us do not have that. But whatever type of spiritual experience you merited to have, you know, that was nothing in comparison what anyone, everyone would always feel when they walked into the Beis HaMikdash. God was mamish revealed there. There were miracles also, but it wasn't just about the miracles. You know, today when you see a miracle, so you don't see God, but you see what God is doing, which is awesome. But there they saw God, whatever that means. When the, when the, when the second Beis HaMikdash was built, even though the building was the same, that Ruach of spirituality, of divine inspiration, of Nevoah, no longer existed. To the point that when the second Beis HaMikdash was built, the Jews that merited to live and to see the end of the times of the first temple were so disappointed, were so disappointed that more people were mourning when they built the second temple, more than people that were celebrating. Imagine. Now, what, what are we to do? When you have a people 
that is accustomed to chayis, life, ruach, spirituality, and it's no longer there. It's no longer there. So the Chachamim understood that almost until the times of the building of the third Beis Hamikdash, and, and now we know we are already 2,500 years after the second temple was built, approximately. So what they did was, is that they understood the place Halacha, or the oral Torah, that that became the center of the Jewish people. Many people were very unhappy with that. They felt that how can you replace spirituality with dry laws? That tension, which exists until today, was so strong in the beginning that there were break there were breakaway groups. There were groups that that rejected the fact that we are unable to to achieve a, a nevuah and that spirituality is not going to take a center role. It has to. And uh, they actually they wrote books they they wrote books of 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 nevuah, but Ezra already closed the Tanakh, so they're writing books. People that were might have been somehow inspired by something spiritual, but it wasn't directly from God. It was a negative spirituality, and they wrote inspired books. But we call those books svarim hachitzoniim, the books that are outside the Tanakh. Those books became the beginning of the New Testament. In other words, what happened, now it took a few hundred years, is that Tzeduki, which is the name of a person, and the people who followed him were called Tzedukim. Baisus, which is the name of an individual. Those who follow him are called Baisusim. Ultimately, these groups gave birth to Christianity. That the whole, the whole Yashka Maisa and all of, everything about him was not emphasizing halacha, because sadly, ultimately, he stopped keeping halacha, but he was a very spiritual person. And ultimately, he became venerated by, by that group. So that, just giving some background over here. Now, this tension went on until the, came, until the birth of the Hasidus. And now, just to better appreciate that, the reason why there was so much opposition against the Hasidic movement in the beginning was because when the Baal Shem Tev began to emphasize the need of Ruach and spirituality, it sounded to people who know Jewish history, oh my God, here we have a new birth of a Christian movement, of a breakaway religion movement. And that's why there was a lot of opposition. The opposition, relatively in a short amount of time, fell to the wayside because it became evident that Hasidim, who place a lot of emphasis on Ruach and on spirituality, we equally place emphasis on keeping Halach. And that's really going to be the unique aspect of the third Beis Hamikdash that both will be in the center. That when the Beis Hamikdash is going to be built, we're going to have God is going to be revealed. And at the same time, because of a person's connection to God, the people will be more inspired to keep halachas. Okay. So that's just giving you some background of the tzedukim. Now, the story that we are recording here happened again when the Beis Hamikdash was still standing. So Rabbi Shmuel was the coin Gadol, and you had this Tzeduki who interacted with Rabbi Shmuel. Now understand that for a Tzeduki, like you have today, people that they all they care about is spirituality, so to say, and they flock around gurus that are spiritual gurus. And his interaction with Rabbi Shmuel was because Rabbi Shmuel, even though he was not 
Not everyone was Rabbi Yishmol. Rabbi Yishmol was like what we understand to be a tzaddik. Not only someone who first and foremost keeps the halacha, but he also was a, he, he was a spiritual master. So the tzaduki felt some sort of connection with Rabbi Yishmol. And dreams, you know, it's the esoteric. So a tzaduki had a dream and he went to the great Jewish uh, Kain Gadol and he tells Rabbi Shmuel that Reisi, in my dream I saw, that I was pouring oil into olives. Now it's normally you squeeze and from the olives comes oil. But what he witnessed wasn't going in the opposite direction. So Amalei Rabbi Shmuel told him that it means that you had a relation with your mother. It's not natural. In other words, the oil comes out of the olive. And here it was going in the opposite direction. And all of the other images was Rabbi Shmuel understood that this tzaduki committed some sort of terribly immoral act. Amalai, the tzaduki, the tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel another time that Chazoi, I saw in my dream, the Katavli Koychava, that I plucked, I grabbed the star out of the sky. So Rabbi Shmuel says, ah, Plucking a star out of the sky means body Yisrael gone after. You kidnapped the Yid. You kidnapped the Jew. Amalei. Then you have another image that he saw in the dream. I saw that I swallowed the star. So Amalei, yeah. Jewish people are compared to stars. That not only did you kidnap a Jew, that body Yisrael Zivante, you sold the Jew into slavery. And our swallow, because with the money you bought food and you ate up the food. Amalei, this tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel, I saw in my dream that my eyes were touching one the other. So Rabbi Shmuel responds, Ah, that means you had a relation with your sister. Amalei, this tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel, I saw that I kissed the moon. I kissed the moon. Amalei, it means that you had a relation with a, Jew, with a married Jewish woman. The Jewish people are, are compared to the moon. Amalei, the tzaduki, tells Rabbi Shmuel, I saw that I was stepping in the shadow or on the shadow of a hadas, of a myrtle. So Amalei, ah, by us, a myrtle is, the chupas were made out of myrtles. So Amalei, that there was a girl that was about to enter her chupa. She was already halachically engaged, halachically engaged, but she was yet to enter her chupa that's made out of a myrtle, and your dream of you trampling on it means that you had a relation with her. Amalei, he tells Rabbi Shmuel, I saw a shadow that was above me, and, and not the shadow underneath me. So he also explained it to him that you are behaving in an immoral way. He tells them, I saw that ravings are surrounding my bed. Yeah, that means that your wife has relations with many men. He tells them that I see doves surrounding my bed. He says that means that you had relations with many women that are not your wife. I saw that I'm holding on to two doves. While they're flying away, I'm holding on to them. Like the paradox. They're flying, but I'm holding on to them. So Rabbi Shmuel tells them, You married... You married two wives and and you sent them away. You divorced them, but you never gave them a get. So here the doves are representatives of wives and they're flying away because you sent them away, but, you, but you're still holding on to them. You didn't give them a get. Amalei, the tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel that I saw the kolif that I'm peeling eggs. I dreamt peeling eggs. So he tells them, ah, you know what that means? It means that shachvei kama that you stripped 
you peeled away something that was on the dead. An egg is an item that has no mouth. There's no crevice. There's no crack in it. And once a person passes away, they are unable to speak. One of the reasons why people that go come back from a burial, they eat eggs. So peeling an egg means that you stole from a corpse. Finally, he protested. So the Tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel, everything that I told you and your interpretation until now was all true. Everything you said was emes. But I never, he understood that he was being accused of skinning a corpse. He says, that I, that's something that I never did. And as he's telling Rabbi Shmuel that you got it wrong, finally you got it wrong, meanwhile, a woman walks by, and she tells this man in front of Rabbi Shmuel, this uh, cloak that you are garbed in, that you are dressed in, the Gavra Poloni, who I know who it belonged to, it belonged to so-and-so, and he died. In other words, you stole it from his body after he died. So now they, he realized that it's Emes. He thought Rabbi Shmuel was telling him that he stripped the corpse of the dead. He never took off a skin, but that he took of gar, he stole a garment off a corpse. That was exactly what he dreamt about. The Vaita that Tzaduki tells Rabbi Shmuel, Chazoi do Amrili in my dream, I saw people telling me that Shavak Loch Avuch Nichsei Kaya, that your father left for you wealth in the in the in the region called Kapoit Kaya was some sort of Roman province, that there's money for you over there. So Rabbi Shmuel tells them, did, did you, do you have anything there? He said no. He says, did your father ever live there? He said no. So he says, aha, if that's the case, like we had before Ador, doesn't have to mean Ador, so the name of a city called Kapoit Kaya can mean something else. And he broke the word into half. Kapa, the first half of the word means a beam. The second half of the word in another language means 10. The 10th beam, he was told in a dream that your father left for you wealth in the 10th beam. So he tells them that go to your house. And in those days, very much like today, a log cabin means the walls are built out of logs, one on top of the other. Count from the bottom up 10. And in the 10th beam, there's money in there. And indeed, the Tzaduki went home. And he found money hidden in the tenth beam that was put there by his father. His father passed away and he notified him in his dream that the money is there. Now let me explain to you why all this is so meaningful. Because what we have been learning up until now was a lot about a prophetic dreams in the context of that you are foreseeing something that will happen in the future. Everything that happened over here was not about the future. None of it was about the future. Now, it's important to also realize none of these dreams were about the past. That's also important. In other words, when all of these dreams that this man had, which was representing different sins that he had committed in the past, it's not that he was dreaming about his past. Why does he need to be notified about his past? We know our past. We just don't know the future. What he was being notified in the dream is that when we do something wrong in the past, that action, unless we do tshuva, lives with us in the present. So even though he thought it was only something, these things were things that he could have done 20 years prior or 50 years prior or one year prior. doesn't matter. It was done in the past. But he would dreamt himself doing it in the present. Very much like this last story that his father left money in a beam many years ago. But he wasn't dreaming about the past. If the father had left hidden money in the beam and then at a certain later point the father would have removed it, 
then who cares that 20 years ago the father hid in a beam in the walls in the house coins? No, the father left money in there and the money is still here right now. So the real underlying message is, 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 is I mean, manyfold. First of all, it's good to know that people that stop emphasizing halacha, when Yiddishkeit, God forbid, only becomes about the Ruach, and you hear today the second, third generation of American Jews that tragically, maybe not their fault, it's, it's Golos's fault, but once they stop being observant, no one loses the spirituality of Yiddishkeit so quick. They say, oh, I don't, I'm not observant, I'm not practicing, but I'm a Jew in my heart. And it's Emes. And the Nisham is there. But we also witnessed at this point that a Taka, it lives beyond Halacha, but at a certain point, God forbid, Rahman al-Atzlan, these Jews are completely assimilated and lost. And the same thing is with the Tzedukim, that they began with the, with the, with the Hashivus of Ruach, and yeah, the Baal Shem Tev, uh, 100%, Rahman al of course, doing a mitzvah without heart, without Ruach, is Chaval. But you know what? It's the Ikir is to do the mitzvah. Having a heart without a mitzvah is worse than Chaval. Nothing, you have stopped nothing. And ultimately, people that have tremendous spiritual capacity, if they don't adhere to halacha, look at the lifestyle of this person. Any immoral act he did, and in his mind he did nothing wrong. And Rabbi Shmuel wanted to point out to him is that the sins of his past are still with him in the present, mamish, the way the coins that his father hid in the beams were still in his house. Now, obviously we have the koyach to do tshuva. But the, the power of tshuva, aside of it transforming the past, but before we get to the past, is to be aware of this concept. That even though that we are bound by time and space, and what I did yesterday, I'm not, I'm not living in yesterday, but the spiritual consequence, the effect of everything that I did in my life up until right now, is with me right now. Very much lahavdil, the way a good psychologist will say that the way you think now and the way you feel now and the way you react now is because of, who knows, something that happened in your upbringing, something that happened in your past. Not that we're living in our past, but we are right now the sum total of everything we did up until now. And those actions live with us. So Rabbi Shmuel is telling the tzaduki, basically... You guys don't celebrate, don't value keeping halachas. All you care about is feeling it and having the spiritual experience. Shame on you. Look, look at who you are. And he's telling him on top of that, that don't think that this is something that in the, that's in the past. So that's the Hashgacha Pratis that he ultimately told him that there's coins presently in your house. Now the Rebbe uses this idea many times, many times in the positive. And that's so important because no one who is objective will be able to say that our generation is as great as, you know, the greatest generation, what we call, you know, the survivors of the, of the war and the Yidin that lived through Stalin, the Yidin that went through the worst of the worst of Gullahs. And they came to all over the world and here in America and they restarted their lives. These were giants of people. And when we compare ourselves to them, we know that we are dust in front of their feet. So the Rebbe many times would say that many ask, how can we even have the chutzpah to think that we will bring Mashiach? How? If they didn't bring Mashiach, how are we going to do it? Right? 
When the Rebbe was physically alive, the Rebbe didn't yet bring Mashiach, and we're going to do it. The answer is, is that we are not starting zero kilometer. It's not that every generation is starting on their own. No, that everything that was done in the past, if the negative things are still here in the present until we do tshuva, and that's emes, so for sure the same thing is in the positive. That means that all of the good things that you did, that I did until now, is with us now. And not only are the good things that we did lives on right now in the present, but every good deed, every mitzvah that was done in the past thousands of years is also right now in the, in the present. And the wording that Rebbe always used is that we are midgets, but we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Now, a midget can be a, a little midget, and the giant can be an oigbala habashan giant. But you know what? The midget is taller than the giant if he's on the shoulders of the giant. So when we properly at least acknowledge that everything in the past is still here. The reason why God created time is because you can't have everything happening at the same time from our perspective. We need time to take it in. But from God's perspective, God is above time. Either something is or it's not. And everything that was done is, it's just as much it now as it was when we were doing it, whether we were doing it ourselves or whether our great-great-grandparents were doing it hundreds or even thousand years ago, all of that is right now. Everything is in the present. And therefore, coming back to the dreams, I don't think the dreams are about what happened in the past, but the dreams is not only about the future, the dreams are about the present. The dream is a glimpse now of seeing what is from a different angle. From a different angle. And how amazing is that? That in our physical world, a person, God forbid, doesn't have two hands. That's a cripple. That's a terrible, that's a curse. Yeah, yeah, but a different angle, a person who has no more needs for their hard labor, that's the biggest bracha. And that's a very good way of interpreting many, many dreams because, you know, death, you know, even we're going to have now, we're going to have more next week. All, all, all of this, all of this means that, you know, a person dreamt that there was a death, that something not positive in one's life died. That is what died. It's not needed anymore. The hands won't be needed. The legs won't be needed because of something positive. So that, that's, that's a very gewaldic koyach and, and tool, if you can say, that we should throw into our dream interpreting box that is very powerful. It's very emesdic. And, and the ikad, I think, of what we learned today is, is for us to be aware that everything that we did in the past is living with us in the present. Now. It's all now. And therefore, for the not good, we have the koyach to do tshuva. And for the good, I'm not saying this for people not to inspire themselves to do more good today. But sometimes people feel like, who am I? What am I? I accomplished nothing. I did nothing. That's not true. Take all of the good deeds that you did since when you remember yourself until now. That's a tremendous amount of good. And that should inspire yourself. We have the koyach to inspire ourselves since we did so much good already. Good is good. We, we therefore will become even a little bit better. Any questions or comments? Rabbi, yes. Shirley. First of all, I want to say Mazatov to you and to Boston and to your whole family. Thank you, thank you. Um, I don't have a question, but I just want to say what you just said was just so profound. It got me like really what you said about how we need time to understand things. Like we need time in order to process like Torah, like Hashem's wisdom, etc. But 
you know, when Hashem created time, like he knew that about us, he does not need that. And I thought that was just so profound to think of it in that perspective. So I just want to say thanks for that. Okay, thank you. Rabbi, about the part where if someone dreams about someone dying, great, and yeah, and that means a part of them, it's a person who's dreaming a part of them is dying, or the person they dreamt of that's something about that person. It can so in our Gemara, yeah, for everything that we had today, were people dreaming about themselves. How scary! You know, imagine a person dreamt okay. that he lost his hands, but the same is true for others. Same concept. Well, what we learn now is is that death simply means that something is not needed anymore. No, it's death is not the cause. Death is the is the effect. Since there is no need, so therefore it dies. And death bechlal doesn't mean what we think death is at all. We have no idea what death is. Like in our death means that uh, something negative is dying. Something not good is is coming to an end. It came to an end, so it's not needed. Okay, and also my next question is, is everything always the same across the board? That means every single person that has a dream with a star or whatever, does that mean it's the same, whatever the exact thing is? No, 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 good, good, good. I'm happy you're asking that. No, but, however, anything that the Gemara records as a association between a visual and its meaning, then when we verbalize that, there's a lot more power to it. Which is why it's so important to learn this. In other words, we're, I'm, we're not saying that you on your own don't have the koyach to make your own associations. You, yes, you do. But this is a lot more powerful. It's not the only way to understand it, but it's one way to interpret it. And remember that your choice of interpretation is part of the equation here. So when we're going to keep on learning and we're going to get many other associations and some of them will be contradictionary. Some of them will be opposites. But then you'll have the koyach to choose which one to interpret, which one to use. And you should make an effort to use it for the good. Okay, thank you. All right, I had sadly, there's a passing in the community, so I'm a little bit, uh, I have to get ahead of myself. So we'll cut it a little bit short today. For people who remember that Yafa, the cook in the kitchen, when we had a kitchen that was functioning, that her husband, who was ill for many years, sadly passed away yesterday, and he's going to be buried soon. Hashem oh, should help. That it, yes, Hashem should have an Aliyah. Sigal's father. Sigal's father. And I'm just going to put an ask over here. Not that Yafa, the cook, asked of me, but uh, we did this many times in the past, and it's very much appreciated and needed that if people would like to make a donation... I would like to be able to go over during the shiva and just give the alman a few dollars. If you want to make a donation on Sola for her, please write in the donate box, uh, write shiva. That's it. And I'll know it's, I'm going to give it to her sometime during the shiva. Thank you, Rabbi. Okay, thank you, Rabbi. Guys, Basura Stoivas, a happy, healthy, amazing week. Amen.